Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasures is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not, more, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the followers of the field grow. Do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God's clothes, the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So good. Thanks for reading that. Uh, some glorious verses that we get the chance to look at this morning, and so I'm, I'm really excited to do that. Um, but just to give you a heads up as well where we're heading. So we're going to look through all of chapter 6. Uh, this morning, so we've got a fair bit to cover, and then tomorrow we're going to be looking at chapter seven, verse I think around seven on onwards. And so, if you're cluey, that that means you'll notice that we're going to miss chapter seven, verse one to six, um, that section on do not judge. And so, just want to encourage you again. Um, seminars are on today, and a, was that my message? No, that wouldn't have gone through the speakers. Um, Cooper just got a message. How good! Uh, and if. Ah, nice. Go on. Um, if you want to get the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, I'd really encourage you to get along to Toby's seminar today. But, but um, this morning, what we're going to be dealing with is, is one of those really big questions. What are you, what are you going to do with your life? Everyone has a, a different life. Um, I've got a friend who's training for the next Olympic Games. He, he moved to Queensland a, a few years ago. He competed in the last Olympic Games, came fourth. The worst position to get, isn't it, fourth? <laughs> Nothing to show for it, but still pretty good. Um, and so he's hoping to do better. He, he's training with some Ironman. He's a surf lifesaver over there. He works as a carpenter for some of the year. Um, th that's his life. That's what it looks like. I have another friend who, um, out of high school, um, moved to France because she just wanted to experience a different culture. And so she moved there. She studied for a few years. She made a lot of friends and connections and came back to Australia, started working here again. There's... There's a, a ton of different things you can do with your life. And so it's, it's sometimes hard to know um, what will you do with your life. And I reckon it's, it's one of those commonly asked questions. If you're in year 12, you've probably heard this like a thousand times. What are you going to do after school? Um, the problem is there's so many different options, so many different opportunities. What I think happens for most of us is we're just kind of happy to go along for the ride. See what happens. And I reckon there's wisdom in that. 
There's wisdom in that because so much stuff can change. You can have this plan set in your mind and then things fall apart. I had a friend through um, high school who was just set on getting into the army. And so uh, you don't have to do this if you're set on getting in the army, but this was the kind of guy he was. He'd wear cargo pants to school. Uh, he'd wear an army backpack to school. Like The army was his thing. And so as soon as he could, he applied to get into the army. Turns out he's colorblind, and that means he can't be in the army. He needs to... Rethink his life. Sad times. Pretty sucky. It, it's hard to know, right, what your life will look like. And so it's, it's wise to, to not set some really concrete path. But as you set out on your journey into your life, as you work out what you'll do, you will bring things that you know are important to you. So I know some of you hate the idea of being stuck at a desk all the time. You just could not imagine a life where you're stuck behind a computer nine to five every day. And so as you think about what you'll do, it's important that whatever it is, it's outside. Now, others of you hate the idea of being outside. You hate the idea of doing anything with your hands. And so whatever you do, you're thinking, I'm not going to pick up a tool. But the question what I want to ask and think about with you this morning is, as citizens of the kingdom... What what are the important things we should bring to the decisions we're going to make? What are the big things, the big principles, the the, the big things that we're concerned about that should shape our lives? That's what I want to consider for you who are in the kingdom. And if you're here and you're not yet in the kingdom, maybe you're someone who's still working things out, I want you to listen into the key things that would shape your life if you were to be someone who, who entered the kingdom. And I want you to consider, as you see these things, consider, would this be a good life? Would this be a life worth living? Because that's what we're going to consider in this part of Jesus' sermon together. And so before we jump in, before we get into the goodness, and it is a glorious chapter, I'm just going to pray and ask for God's help. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you have spoken to us, that you have not left us in the dark. Uh, God, we we thank you for the glorious truths that are in chapter 6. And Lord, we ask that we would see them and see them clearly. Um, Yeah, may we know you better. Amen. I'm just going to fix up this a little bit so I don't keep annoying you with that. Yeah, nice. Is that pretty good? See, the problem is it's pretty good if I do this. But if I do this, it's less good. That's all right. The first big thing that shapes the life of a citizen of the kingdom is this. Citizens of the kingdom live for an audience of one. Have a look at verse 1 of chapter 6. We're going to go through the whole of chapter 6, hopefully relatively quickly. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Citizens of the kingdom, they don't practice their righteousness to be seen by others because they know if they do, if that's why they're doing it, they will receive no reward. It will mean nothing for them. Instead of doing that, instead of living for others, they live for an audience of one. They live to be seen and rewarded by God alone. And there's three examples that Jesus gives to make this point. So we're going to go through them quickly. The first is in the way that we give. Have a look at verse 2. 
So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to, to be honored by others. They, they make a big deal of their giving. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus says, don't be like those who make a big deal of their giving, who announce it, who make sure everyone sees it and is aware of it. Jesus says, they've received their reward in, in full. The, the praise I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often. The praise and admiration of people is all that they're going to get. They're not acting like kingdom people. Kingdom people, verse 3, citizens of the kingdom, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So, verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Citizens of the kingdom do good things. They do righteous things, the things we were looking at yesterday, not to be seen by others, not, not to be honoured by the people around them, not to be praised by them, but to be seen by God alone, to be rewarded by Him alone. It, it's hard to know for sure in these verses what the reward is, but what is clear is it's a reward that comes from our Heavenly Father. And if it's from God himself, it's a reward worth living for, worth giving. And so kingdom people, they live with an audience of one for God alone. Jesus makes the same point with prayer. Have a look at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray in the standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, citizen of the kingdom... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Citizens of the kingdom pray not to be seen by others. They pray with an audience of one, for God alone. And you get the same idea in verse 16 with with fasting. Now, Now, fasting is a funny thing, but fasting is essentially just going without food for a, for a certain amount of time to remind yourself that you're someone who doesn't live by bread alone, by food alone. You actually live by every word that comes from Jesus' mouth. You need Jesus' words more than you need food. That's what you're saying when you fast. But the same thing's going on in verse 16. Have a, have a look there. When you fast, do not look somber, somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Same thing going on, right? Fast not to be seen by others. Kingdom people... They fast, they live with an audience of one. And they do that because they know there is a God who is unseen. You see that in verse 18, halfway through. Who is unseen, who sees us, your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. See, when you know these things, when, when you know that there is a God who exists, who is ruling over all things and who sees all things. And when he sees you living for him, will be pleased and will reward you. You live for an audience of one. 
Now, if you don't think God exists, if if you're someone who's not sure if his kingdom is coming, of course, you'll, you'll probably still do things that look good. You'll, you could still even look like a kingdom person in some of the things you did. But, but why would you ever hide those things from people? What, what good is it to hide the good that you're doing when you can get people's approval for you now? So I think something's gone on similar. Oh, this, come along with me on this ride. It's kind of, kind of like the gauntlet game last night. So the goal in the game, at the start, everyone gets a peg, right? You, you get a peg, and you get rewarded for how far you go into the game. Now, if you're smart in the game, you're probably just going to the first few checkpoints, cashing any points, because you know once you get past those, there's no guarantee of what's to come. There's, there's no guarantee that you're going to get any more reward for your, your peg. And so you cash it in, you run back, you go again. But if you knew in that game, if someone whispered and told you, if you just continue on, you will make it to the end and you will get more points than you'd get if you stopped. There is no way in that game you're cashing in your points earlier, right? If you knew with certainty that you're going to make it to the end, you're not cashing in your points for anything. You're getting to the end. Citizens of the kingdom know there is a kingdom to come. They know that God will reward them and so they live for that reward. They, they save their reward for that day. They live for an audience of one. Be that person, citizens of the kingdom. God sees all that you do. And God delights to reward his people. How do I know that? Well, he said it. Jesus has said it to us. And so live for his reward. Live for him, not for people. Live for his praise, not for people's praise. Now, I think this passage most particularly applies to how we do religious things. Things like praying, things like giving our money away, things like singing, Bible reading, those sorts of things. We can actually do those things, those religious things, in a just really twisted way. See, if the only time you ever give money away to the poor or to church is when you know people will see it, you're probably living for the praise of people, not God. If the only reason you ever read the Bible is because your leader will ask you and you'll feel guilty if you don't, you might be living for the praise of people and not God. If the only reason you come to youth is because all your friends do, you're living for the praise of people, not God. You've got no reward to look forward to. But on the other hand, every time you give money away, not to be seen or known by others, you can know God sees every time, and he will reward you. Every time you pray in the the quiet of your heart, in in your mind, not, not to tell people how much you pray, but just because you delight in prayer, your God sees that, and he will reward you. Every time you open up God's word to know him more, God sees that. He is pleased with that. He will reward you. And so be people that live for the audience of one, the God who sees and who will reward you. And I think this principle, living for an audience of one, actually continues to apply to much more. 
In fact, I want to say it applies to absolutely everything we do and every decision we make. So I want to say, as we typically work out what we want to do, as we typically think how to do it, we bring three broad opinions to the table and we wrestle with these. I think I've got a slide for them. One, this is the three opinions we weigh up. We go, what do I want to do? This is what we do as we work out what to do and how to do. What do I want to do? What do others want me to do? What does God want us to do? And so you're wondering, you're in your 12, should, should I become a lawyer or a tradie? Which do I like more? It's probably the first question you ask. Maybe subconsciously you might then ask, well, what, what would people be more impressed with if I was to do? And then we might go on to ask, what would God want from me? But friends, if there is a God who sees all, who rewards his people with a reward we know is coming, does it not make sense to flip that thing totally around? As we work out what to do, how to do it, first ask, what does God want us to do? I think I've got a slide for that. Yeah, that's helpful, isn't it? That is the question to ask first, and then to let that question drive you to consider other ones, because his approval... His praise, his reward, is worth more than anything else. That's why kingdom people live with an audience of one. The, the second thing that shapes the life of a citizen of kingdom is that citizens of the kingdom live for what lasts. You see that in verse 19. Jump ahead. Skip through. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths or vernon destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus gives us this instruction in verse 9. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And, and there has been few times in history where it's been as easy for us to store up treasures on earth. See, as you sit here now, you can pursue pretty well anything. You can store up for yourselves all sorts of things. Money, relationships, fame, experiences, happiness. You can store up all sorts of things. But Jesus says, none, none of those things will last. Money and wealth can go in an instant. Relationships, family, friends can be spoiled in a moment. Fame, prestige, other people's good opinions of you can be lost in seconds. I, I had a friend who was an incredible water polo player. Um, we went to the Pan Pacific Games and, and he was the MVP of the whole comp. Best there. So he went on, he started playing for Australia. But on his 21st birthday, he jumped into, the, into a pool, hit his head, quadriplegic, rest of his life. Things change. Things can be lost. And so kingdom people don't pursue those things that fade, that can be lost, that can be stolen. Rather, verse 20, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Kingdom people live for what lasts. They live to please a God, a God who rewards his people with a reward that can't be lost or stolen, that is eternal. 
They live to see people saved. We saw that last night. They live to see people grown. Souls that God won't let go of. We're going to see that tonight. That will be brought with us into the kingdom to bring us joy for eternity. Kingdom people, citizens of the kingdom, pursue those things. They treasure them. Why? Because they last. Now, I, I get, I understand why someone who didn't believe in God, who, who didn't believe in a life to come, who didn't believe in rewards to heaven, would, would spend their lives seeking after money or, or fame, that spend their lives seeking after a career, because that's, that's all they've got. This is it. That's, this is their only hope. That's their only hope. Temporary things is the best they can do. But if we know there's a God, we know we know there is a kingdom to come. We know that he will reward his people. Why would we, citizens of the kingdom, settle for anything less than what lasts? And so, friends, live for what lasts. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean for you that um, you become a minister or a missionary, or, although such good things. Uh, things that I'm doing at the moment, things that... You will not regret into eternity. And so consider each one of you whether that's, that should be what you do. But it does mean whatever you do, whatever you do, you will do it for the kingdom. Now, I'm so thankful that you can see this in your leaders. People living such different lives. You've got teachers, you've got some Physios and chiros, engineers, builders. You got some studying at uni, all sorts of things. I have no idea what they're studying at uni. But all of them, whatever they're doing, are seeking to please God and see people saved. You know that's why they're here. <laughs> Lots of them only get like four weeks of holidays. And one of their holidays, maybe two if they're doing Summerfest, they give up so that they can be here, so that they can see people saved and grown. Do you know they, they paid to come here? This isn't them going, oh, what would I like to do with my, one of my four weeks of holidays? I know, hanging out with a bunch of smelly teens. No offense, it's me too. And that's why they're, they're here each week at youth as well, because they're seeking to live for what lasts, pleasing God, seeing people saved and grown, now, obviously, none of us do it perfectly, but each is seeking to treasure. Each is seeking to treasure what matters, what lasts. And so, friends, brothers and sisters, as you think about what you do, as you think about what you do with your lives, there are a thousand things you could do. And so take time to work it out. But whatever you do, prioritize the things that last. Shape your lives around those things. Because what a waste to live for what a waste to live for anything else. Now this might mean you, you choose a job that means you can be at church every week, that you can serve sacrificially. You, you choose to date that girl or guy that, that actually helps you to live for God more, to live for what lasts. It, it, it means you don't let the HSC consume you. You continue to gather with God's people. It will mean a bunch of different things to each of us. And every single one of those decisions you make to pursue what lasts, you will not regret. 
Because unlike living for the things of this world, you will be living for something that goes on forever. Now, the final big principle, this is the third, for a life well, for a life well lived, for, for living as a citizen of the kingdom is this, trust God with the rest. Now, this chapter just ends with some of the most beautiful verses, some of the most helpful promises we get in the whole Bible. I'm going to read through these verses again. And, and what, what I want you to do is just notice and pay attention to the God who we serve, the God who is our king. Just notice those details as we go through. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do you notice our God is the one who provides? He's the God who, verse 26, he's the God who feeds the birds. Verse 28, who clothes the flowers. And if he does that for, for them, how much more will he do that for his children? We are surrounded. We are surrounded by people who are chasing after things, worrying about things, who are worried about what they wear, worried about what they're eating. But into this world of craziness, of worries, of anxiety, Jesus says, God will give you what you need. Look at the flowers, look at the birds. People are freaking out, but you are a citizen of the kingdom. You know God, and he has got you. See, there'll, there'll no doubt be seasons for you where things will be overwhelming, where they'll feel overwhelming. The, the HSC can be one of those times. Uni exams, sometimes work can feel that way. Family can become that. And it, can ma- and it makes sense to care about these things. They're good things. But in the midst of big things, overwhelming things, you can know, you can know this truth. God has got you. He will give you what you need. Now, he won't always give you what you want, but he will always give you what you need. In that, you can trust, which is certainly easier said than done, right? And so look at the birds. Look at the flowers and be reminded that our God provides. And if he provides for them, how much more will he provide for you, his child whom he sent Jesus for? 
Now, I just want to correct something. I reckon some people read these verses wrongly, and, and they, they start thinking that Christians should never worry, that we could should kind of spend our lives living um, on a cloud, untouched by concern, just frolicking, frolicking through the flowers all our days. We know God, life should be worry-free. But remember, that's not the life of Jesus, right? The, the night before he dies, do you remember? He was overwhelmed. And it's not the life of Paul. He, he, he tells us in 2 Corinthians, he, he daily faces the pressures of the churches. He, he's constantly worried of this, these things. Now, what's, what's going on there? Well, friends, there are things worth being concerned about. There are things worth chasing after. You see a sense of that in verse 25? I don't know if you noticed that as we read through. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. This is the key bit. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus says, life is more than food. Your body is more than clothing. There are bigger things going on than the things you can touch and smell and feel. They're the things of the kingdom. And those are things that are worth worrying about, worth concerning ourselves over. That's Jesus and Paul, they had stresses, they had anxieties, but they were stresses and anxieties over things that matter, that matter eternally, the things that last. Friends, concern yourselves with those things. Choose to concern yourself with the things that last and trust God with with the rest. Or as verse 33 puts it, and if there's one verse that you memorize from this week, this is it. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek God's kingdom. Seek his righteousness. Saw that yesterday. Seek the things that last. And God will look after the rest. That's the life of a citizen of the kingdom. A life lived for an audience of one. Living for what lasts and trusting God with the rest. And if you're someone here who is not yet a citizen of the kingdom, I trust you can see how this is a life worth having. It's a life lived for a God who sees all and rewards his people with a reward that is eternal. Why would you spend your life living for anyone else? Now, tonight, uh, Dan, also known as Other Dan, remember that? Other Dan, he's going to invite you um, those that haven't yet put your trust in Jesus, to, to do that and become a citizen of the kingdom. That's coming tonight. He's going to invite you to, to turn to Jesus as your king and as your savior. And so I encourage you to spend today considering whether that is something you should do. Spend time considering what are the, what are the questions, what are the doubts that are holding me back from this life from a life living for the things that last. Because it isn't too late to ask them. Uh, You've got leaders who love to chat. And I'd also invite you to, to pray, to ask God to, to show himself to you, to show that he is real, to, to help you see that these things are true as they are. And I'm going to pray now for you, actually. Um, and so let, let's pray together for us who are already citizens, but particularly for those amongst us who are not. Let, let's pray together. Father, we, um, we ask that today would be a day that you call people home.
that today you win people to a life that isn't wasted, a life that's spent chasing after things that fade, the rewards of people that can just disappear in moments. Lord, please save people from that wasted life. Lord, I pray for those that um, are considering things that you would give them clarity, that you would answer questions, but in all that, that you would just show who you are, that you are the God who when we knock will open and we trust that promise. And God, we pray for us who already are in the kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you have saved us from a wasted life, a life that's lived chasing after nothing. But God, we ask that we would be people who run hard at the life that is worth living, that don't get comfortable with just living a somewhat Christian life, that we wouldn't just put you to the outsides, but we would make you number one. We would live for you alone. We would live for the things that last, and that in that would find much comfort that we can trust you with the rest. Pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.